Lord, we do ask that you would bless this teaching. Lord, the words of Jeremiah really resonate to us today because there's a lot of voices that are out there. There's, there's uh, voices, there's teachings, there's uh, beliefs that are not according to you and to your word. We as Christians need to be so discerning today. Um, we need to be uh, ones that are testing the spirits to see if they are truly of God. And so, Lord, I pray that tonight there's even more of a message than that. It is, what are we going to yoke ourselves to? Who are we going to yoke ourselves to? And here, as Jeremiah talks about a yoke of iron, they didn't have to have that. They were to be yoked to the Lord. So I pray for your encouragement and blessing as we study your word tonight. Lord, as we look at the implication, we want to make application for our own lives and for the day in which we are living in. And so just teach us now, in Jesus' name, amen. So in chapter 27, remember that Jeremiah is speaking to the civil leaders of Judah and the religious leaders as well. And we know that as Jeremiah has been speaking the truth of the Lord, uh, his ministry has brought persecution to him as they have resisted the words of Jeremiah. He's been speaking uh, those similar words that Isaiah brought uh, before Jeremiah was on the scene. Isaiah was on the scene uh, in about 740 B.C. Here, Jeremiah is ministering 100 years after Isaiah comes on the scene, and Jeremiah is telling the house of Judah, who's already seen the, the 10 northern tribes go off into captivity some 100 years before Jeremiah Jeremiah's ministry here that we're going to see in chapter 27 that they didn't learn from the house of Israel who went into idolatry, who rebelled against the Lord, who refused to listen to the prophets given truth that you're going to go off into captivity. Remember the Mosaic covenant that the Lord made with uh, God's people there at Mount Sinai when they came out of Egypt. So here is Jeremiah. He's saying, listen, that you have given yourselves over to false worship, to false idols. You have a false hope because you are given to a false message given by false prophets and teachers. And as Jeremiah is speaking, of course, he's already gone through persecution. He will continue to go through that. But also Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, that he is given illustrations here uh, to the leaders of Judah, not only to the civil leaders, but to the religious leaders. You recall that he was one that, for example, uh, that he was told to, to wear a, a sash, a belt, a brand new one, and walk around the city. Then he was to go clear over to the Euphrates rivers, bury that sash under a rock, and then after many days, he would walk all the way back. We're talking about barren desert, and he would get that sash, and of course, it was all dirty and, and decayed and rotten and smelly from the river and he would come back and he would walk around the streets of Jerusalem and he would give that message of this is what's going to happen. Uh, this is what's going to happen. There's going to be decay. There's going to be destruction that's going to happen because of your refusal to turn to the Lord. And, of course, the people were following the dictates of their own hearts. They 
were into false worship, worshiping the queen of heaven and uh, Baal and Astaroth, sacrificing their own children on the arms of Moloch and Baal in the Gehenna Valley. They were far from God. They were full of uh, idleness and, and greediness and violence and adultery. Uh, all these sins that have been listed by Jeremiah. And then also he would have the leaders come there uh, as he overlooked the Gehenna Valley and he took a, a, a vessel, a, a clay pot, and he broke it in front of them and said, this is what's going to happen to Jerusalem because you have forsaken the Lord. And we know now that he continues giving these illustrations as we now go into chapter 27, in the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, now in verse 1 here, um, it should read in the beginning of the reign of, of Zedekiah, because as we go through this chapter, we're going to see that this message really is for Zedekiah. So it's a copious error. It doesn't change the meaning of what is said here in chapter 27. One of the other things that may have happened is in chapter 27, verse 1, it's the same as chapter 26, verse 1, uh, that in the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim. Remember that Jehoiakim was the one that, that came on the scene after, you know, his father Josiah had died, the last of the godly kings. J.O.A. has his son came to the throne. He's taken off to Egypt. And then Jehoiakim, he comes on the throne for about 11 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He was very greedy. Uh, he was very selfish. He didn't care about the people. He only cared about you know, making his palace and, and paneling his house. And it is at that time after 11 years, that, uh, first of all, the first wave of captivity came in 605 B.C., and then at the end of his reign, here comes Nebuchadnezzar, and he's about ready to come in, and it is believed historically he was about ready to destroy Jerusalem because Jehoiakim had rebelled against uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And so it is believed that the people actually killed Jehoiakim and then Nebuchadnezzar spared Jerusalem, but he would take uh, his uh, son off into captivity after a couple months of reigning in Jerusalem, and that's Jehoiakim. And he also would take, uh, during the first and second wave of captivity, many of the vessels uh, and uh, things that were in the house of the Lord, the treasuries, off to Babylon, and that's going to be mentioned in this chapter. So then, after it was Jehoiakim taken off to Babylon, Zedekiah, he reigns for the last 11 years before the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. because his rebellion against Nebuchadnezzar. And that's really what this message is all about as we continue. Let's, let's read in verse 2. Thus says the Lord to me, make for yourselves bonds and yokes and put them on your neck. So once again, this illustration. It wasn't easy being a prophet back in the Old Testament. Testament. And here is Jeremiah. He's told to put this yoke on and bonds. And, and a yoke, of course, would be something that an animal would be yoked to a harness when they would plow the field, uh, when they would be used to pull uh, something, a wagon, 
or also there would be a yoke that was made, a double yoke that was made that would yoke two animals together. And those two animals were yoked together, two oxen, two horses, or two donkeys, that is, uh, yoked together. The Old Testament said don't ever yoke a, 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 you know, an ox with a donkey. It won't work. Don't mix it but they would be yoked together and they would walk together, keep that in mind, as they would travel together, pull in a wagon or, you know, uh, pulling the plow or whatever, a yoke of oxen that you read about in the Old Testament. So here he was told to put this yoke on and uh, put it around your neck as this illustration in verse 3, and send them to the king of Edom, the king of Moab, the king of the Ammonites, the king of Tyre, and the king of Sidon, by the hand of the messengers who come to Jerusalem to Zedekiah, king of Judah, and command them to say to their masters, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Thus you shall say to your masters, I have made the earth, the man and the beast that are on the ground by my great power and by my outstretched arm and have given it to whom it seems proper to me. Verse 6, And now I have given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant, and the beasts in the field, and I have also given him to serve him. So all the nations shall serve him and his sons and his son's son until the time of this his land comes, and then many nations and great kings shall make him serve them. So here is this confederation of, of nations that send envoys uh, to Zedekiah, and they're coming together. And what is happening here is it is believed that uh, they uh, are here in Jerusalem uh, trying to figure out how they can overthrow uh, Babylon, making this alliance. It's, it's right after the second wave of captivity where Ezekiel's taken off again, where uh, it is Jehoiakim taken off to Babylon, and it's about 595 B.C. in there. And they are trying to form an alliance, come together, thinking that, hey, we can maybe come against Nebuchadnezzar. And it's interesting that records have been recovered to tell of a possible coup against Nebuchadnezzar about this time. And they thought maybe this is our chance to, to overthrow Babylon's dominance if we all come together. And so here are these nations that are mentioned. It's interesting in verse 3, the king of Edom, the king of Moab, the king of the Ammonites, Tyre and Sidon, it had come to Zedekiah, and they're going to come up with this plan. What, it, what interests me as you read about it, you read about Edom and Moab and the Ammonites. They were oftentimes the enemies of Israel. That as you go through the historical books of the Old Testament, you see that uh, Israel, God's people, did a lot of battle with these guys. And, and some of them were very intense battles. And all of a sudden, now they're coming. Their common hatred for Babylon and being under the yoke of Babylon has brought them together. And Zedekiah is thinking, maybe this is the answer. And that's one of the problems that we see with God's people. Kirkback and Isaiah, he speaks about it. As they would, the house of Israel and, and Judah, they would try to make alliances with foreign nations. They would try to make alliances with Egypt. And it was Isaiah that said, Woe to the rebellious children of Israel, 
for you seek counsel, but not of me. You're going to Egypt, to the world. Egypt is a picture of the world in the Old Testament. Uh, they would try to make alliances with Ethiopia. Even at times, like Ahaz, who was king be, before this time, that was an evil king, they, he made an alliance with the king of Assyria. He gave him gold and silver from the temple and said, hey, will you help me uh, take care of the king of Syria? And, and the Assyrian king took the gold and silver, took care of the king and killed the king of Syria at that time that Ahaz was ruling because there was a plot against him. And, and Ahaz thought that he could appease the king of Assyria. And the king of Assyria took the goods and he kept coming towards Jerusalem, to where Hezekiah did the same thing. He tried to appease the king of Assyria and paid him off some gold and silver, even though Hezekiah was a godly king. I think there's a very important lesson that you can't make a peace treaty with the enemy. And the enemy will say, you know, just pay me off, a little bit of gold, a little bit of silver, a little bit of time here, a little bit of compromise there in your life, and, and I won't come after you with both barrels. You know, we, we try to make a peace treaty with the enemy thinking it's going to make it better or the attacks will stop, and it won't. You can't make a treaty with the enemy. And here these guys are forming an alliance with these nations that were not going to help them. None of those nations, Ethiopia, Egypt, Assyria, uh, Moab, Edom, none of them helped Israel here, helped Judah here in their time of need when the enemy was coming. And the Lord is saying, please turn to me. Turn to me because I am your help. And maybe there's somebody listening tonight that you've been looking for help in all kinds of different ways and make alliances with the philosophy of the world, the ways of the world, the trends of the world, you know, what feels good, all of this, making a peace treaty, a compromise that, that is contrary to the ways of the Lord. And it's not going to work. And the Lord is saying to you that I want you to turn to me and trust in me. And I want you to follow after me because I am your help. I am your counsel. I am your strength. I am your wisdom. I am your certainty. Yet they refuse to do it. And it can happen to us in our lives, making alliances with everything other than God in the ways of the Lord. So here is Jeremiah. He says, listen, this alliance this coup against Nebuchadnezzar is not going to happen. As here he comes with a yoke on him and bonds on him, and he crashes their little secret meeting, and he says, you guys are going to be handed over to Nebuchadnezzar. And, and he says that God is in control, and he's using Nebuchadnezzar. This is the second time, I believe, that we've seen in Jeremiah, that he says, Nebuchadnezzar is my servant. He's my servant. Remember we talked about that Babylon, and in, in verse 7 he says that, that Babylon is eventually going to come to an end, and it would be Cyrus, the king of the Medes and the Persians, that would defeat Babylon. You can read about that in chapter 5 of the book of Daniel. And Cyrus was called by 
Isaiah, 200 years before he was born, my anointed. He's my shepherd. I'm going to use him. And, of course, he would make the decree that the 70 years of captivity is over and they could return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. But God is in control, and that brings me comfort because we find ourselves in a time in an election year where we wonder what's going to happen and who's going to win and, and all of this. Listen, he's the one that sets those in authorities. And I'm not saying that we can't get involved, you know, in, in voicing our opinions or politically or holding our elected officials accountable. What I am saying is this, that God is in control and he sets those in authority so I can rest in that. And everything is leading to the culmination where Jesus Christ is going to come back and establish his kingdom and put an end to all earthly nations once and for all, Daniel chapter 2. But we continue in verse 8, and it shall be that the nation and the kingdom which will not serve Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and which will not put its neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon, that nation I will punish, says the Lord, with the sword, with famine and pestilence, until I have consumed them by his hand. In other words, it's going to be bad news if you rebel against Nebuchadnezzar, and that's what ended up happening in 586 B.C. See, don't rebel against him. And he, they've already been told, if you just submit to him, then you will dwell in the land. You'll be under his authority. You, you'll be submitted to him under his yoke. But at least you'll be able to live in the land. But if not, he's going to come in and crush you. In verse 9, therefore, do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your dreamers, your soothsayers, or your sorcerers who speak to you, saying you shall not serve the king of Babylon. So apparently, I think what was happening is Edom and Moab and, and those other kings that came, they were bringing their sorcerers, their soothsayers, their dreamers uh, there in verse 9, which, uh, you know, are ones that interpret dreams. Uh, the astrologers, they were known for two things. They were ones that studied the stars, but also they interpreted the stars. There are those who interpreted the dreams, uh, the sorcerers, uh, the magicians um, of Babylon. You read here uh, very much a description of what those other nations would have uh, that they would turn to, the soothsayers, those who are false. And here is Judah listening to them and Zedekiah. And we're going to see that Jeremiah is going to address the false prophets. You shall not serve the king of, of Babylon, who speak to you saying that. They're speaking, and then as we go into verse 10, they prophesy a lie to you to remove you far from the land, and I will drive you out, and you will perish. They're speaking lies. They're speaking peace, prosperity, and the false prophets of Judah were doing the same thing. They had that message, but they're speaking lies. In verse 11, But the nation that brings their necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him, I will let them remain in their own land, says the Lord, and they shall till it and dwell in it. So you're under the yoke of the king, but you're going to be able to stay in your land. You're going to be able to work the land. And then in verse 12, That I also spoke to Zedekiah, king of Judah, according to all these words, saying, Bring your necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him and his people and live. Well, why will you die, you and your people, by sword and by famine and by pestilence, as the Lord has spoken against the nation that will not serve the king of Babylon? 
Therefore, do not listen to the words of the prophets who speak to you, saying, You shall not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy a lie to you. Verse 15, For I have not sent them, says the Lord, yet they prophesy a lie in my name, that I may drive you out, and that you may perish, and you, may, and, um, you and the prophets who prophesy to you. So here's the same thing. Uh, Zedekiah, not only these envoys need to go back and tell their kings, their leaders, not to rebel against Nebuchadnezzar. It's the same thing to you. And don't listen to your soothsayers. Don't listen to your dreamers. Don't listen to, you know, uh, these uh, sorcerers that are speaking to you. Don't listen to them. And you, Zedekiah, don't listen to the false prophets that are coming to you and saying the same thing, speaking a lie, saying that you need to rebel against Babylon. Don't do that because you will face destruction if you do. And so it really is emphasizing to us, listen, it is critical, it's imperative that we believe the word of the Lord and not believe the lies of the world. Because there's a lot of lies that are out there. There's a lot of voices that are out there that will lead you and I down a road of destruction and despair and uh, a false way, Jesus, again, is going to say, as we're going to read on Sunday, there are two roads, a narrow road that leads to life and a broad road that leads to destruction. And many go by it. There are false prophets that will lead to deception. And there's a false foundation that if you build on it, you're going to crumble when the storms come in life. And the way for us to be established and be strengthened, we're going to see here in just a little bit that we are to be established in his word and believe his word. It's a critical for us to, because if we believe the lies of the world and we believe what is being told in so many different ways, you know, even in the church that behind the pulpits, there's peace, there's prosperity. That's the message. That was the message here. And there is peace when we come to Christ. But we know where this world is headed. And it is headed towards a time of tribulation where God will pour out his wrath on a Christ-rejected world. And the Lord is saying, turn to me and believe in me. As Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Remember Jeremiah was told there's a way of death and there's a way of life. And we need to know the way of life, and that is through Jesus Christ. But as we finish the chapter here verse 16 and also i spoke to the priests this is the religious leaders and to all this people saying thus says the lord do not listen to the words of your prophets who prophesy to you saying behold the vessels of the lord's house will now shortly be brought back from babylon for they prophesy a lie to you do not listen to them serve the king of babylon and live why should this city be laid waste but if they are prophets, and if the word of the Lord is with them, let them now make intercession to the Lord of hosts that the vessels which are left in the house of the Lord, in the house of the king of Judah, and at Jerusalem, do not go to Babylon. For thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the pillars, concerning the sea, concerning the carts, and concerning the remainder of the vessels that sit, uh, remain in this city, which, verse 20, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, did not take when he carried away captive Jehoiakim, the son of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, from Jerusalem to Babylon, and all the nobles of Judah and Jerusalem. Yes, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning the vessels that remain in the house 
of the Lord and in the house of the king of Judah and of Jerusalem verse 22 they shall be carried to Babylon and there they shall be until the day that I visit them says the Lord then I will bring them up and restore them to this place so the prophets that were coming along we're going to see that in chapter 28 and saying listen Babylon's going to be broken that the vessels that were taken, 605 B.C., here comes Nebuchadnezzar. He takes Daniel away. He takes the choice man of Judah away. And, and he begins to carry some of the vessels away, the treasuries in the house of the Lord. Second wave of captivity, Ezekiel's taken away. Jehoiakim, here listed, the son of Jehoiakim is taken away. And the nobles, and so they're taken away. And, and some more vessels and, and things of the house of the Lord were carried off to Babylon, but not everything was carried away. For thus is the Lord of hosts concerning, in verse 19, the pillars, concerning the sea, concerning the carts, the, and concerning the remainder of the vessels that remain in the city. So after the second wave of captivity, there are still the carts um, that, that they had big carts. Uh, they had uh, these, um, you know, the sea, these big golden pools that they did washing in. You can read about that in the construction of the first temple that Solomon made out there in the outer courtyard. And matter of fact, I think that Nebuchadnezzar ended up taking Taking those things away, uh, I believe they had to cut up the seas and and um, because they were so big, those those pools and stuff and other vessels that remain in the city, they were saying, you know what, what's been taken away is going to come back and nothing else is going to be taken away. Jeremiah says, no, if they really believed the word of the Lord, they would be praying that that the remaining vessels aren't taken, that the city is not going to be destroyed. They would be interceding on behalf of you, what the Lord says. But they are going to be taken off. But I, I do want to draw attention here to verse 19, the, the host concerning the pillars. What were the pillars? Well, when you read in 1 Kings, when you read, I believe, in chapter 6 or chapter 7, you read about the construction of Solomon's temple. There at the house of the Lord, there was two large pillars in front of the temple. They were made of solid brass. They were almost 30 feet high. They were huge. They didn't hold anything, but they were two pillars. And, and one was called Boaz, which means in him a strength. And the other one was called Jachin, which means he will establish. So as you came up to the house of the Lord in Solomon's uh, temple, to hear these two brass pillars that were massive, uh, they were almost 30 feet high, uh, incredible, named Boaz and him his strength, and then Jachin, which means he will establish. So I want to remind us of something. And I want to encourage us all, for those of you who are listening tonight, how is it that we are strengthened in him? How is it that we're established? It's not believing a lie. You remember Ahaz was told when Isaiah came to him in the book of Isaiah that if you do not believe the word of the Lord, that you will not be established. And as we continue in the word of God, in the truth of God's word, not 
not given heed to the world's ways and philosophies or to the lies of the world, uh, lies that are spoken, we will be established and we will be strengthened as we continue to come to the house of the Lord. Now, like on Wednesday nights, we're not able to do that. Sunday mornings, we're starting to do that. Some of you don't feel comfortable in coming yet because of health reasons of coming to the, uh, you know, in-person services. But you can continue to listen. You can join us as we continue online services. But don't lose that. And as we continue studying the Word of God, as we continue just hearing the truth of God's Word, we will be established and we will be strengthened. Because I find myself being weak at times. I find myself, you know, kind of wavering in the uncertainty and all the things that are taking place. It's hard to plan. It's hard to figure out what we're going to do, you know, later this summer. All these things that all of us are, are facing, all the things that are taking place around us in our nation, all these things, and we are to be ones that we are to be established and we are to be strengthened as we come to the house of the Lord. That is, as we continue to study God's word, as we're listening online, as we come together on Sunday morning, and as we do, we will be strengthened. It is the word of God that will strengthen you and I. And I need the word of God. So something very important for us to consider as we go through this. And now in chapter 28, and, and it's interesting, if you're hearing some noise, we got a thunderstorm going on uh, above us, and hopefully you're well at home, but we're going to continue teaching. If the lights go out, don't worry about it, but we can hear the thunder and lightning. But chapter 28 of Jeremiah, and it happened in the same year, the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year and in the fifth month that Hananiah, the son of Azer, the prophet who was from Gibeon spoke to me in the house of the Lord in the presence of the priests and all the people saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place to carry to Babylon. And I will bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, or that is Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah who went to Babylon, says the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. So in chapter 28 here, it's continuation as chapter 27. Remember, Jeremiah still has this yoke on him. And his message is being challenged now by this guy whose name is Hananiah. He's a false prophet. He's from one of the priestly cities that was only a few miles from Jerusalem, yet he's not speaking for God. He's speaking in the name of the Lord, but he's not speaking for the Lord. There's a big difference. You see, there are those who will come along and they will say, thus saith the Lord, speaking in the name of the Lord, but they are not speaking for the Lord because they're speaking lies. They're speaking that which is false. Uh, they foretell God's word and things don't come to pass. That's what's happening here. He's saying in two years, this is what's going to happen, that, that Nebuchadnezzar is going to be broken. And uh, the vessels are going to come back, and the captives are going to come back within two years. Now, remember that God has already given a message that Judah and the rest of the nations were to submit to Babylon, and here Hananiah says, rebel against them. And, and here is 
is Jeremiah with this yoke on and the bonds that are still on, still with this illustration. You see, we know that God's word says in the book of Deuteronomy that if somebody is speaking on behalf of the Lord, foretelling or even foretelling God's word, that is foretelling the heart and mind of God, and that's what prophecy is, that it needs to come true, that predictive sense of prophecy. And that's what Hannah and I are saying. In two years, you know, Nebuchadnezzar is going down and the captives are coming back. Well, we're going to see what the fate of Hananiah is at the end of the chapter here in just a few minutes. So it has to be 100% accurate. And then also in foretelling God's, you know, in the prophecy sense, is foretelling God's word that telling the heart and mind of God that it needs to line up with the word of God. And, and here, um, just because, listen, we need to be wise because we're going to see that Jesus says that there are many false prophets that are out there that are bearing bad fruit. Jesus said in the last days there will be many false Christs and prophets. Don't be deceived. That's the first warning that he would give to his disciples in the Olivet Discourse. When they were asking, what is the sign of your coming? You know, when's the end of the age? He says, beware, lest you be deceived. You know, the many false Christs and prophets are going to come on the scene, and, and uh, they're going to deceive many. We know that there's going to be one that's going to come on the scene in the latter times in the tribulation period that's going to deceive the whole world. He's going to deceive the whole world, and the world's going to turn to him. He's called the Antichrist not only against Christ, but he comes in place of Christ. And he's going to be speaking what the world considers great things, but they are lies. And so here is Hananiah. Uh, he, he says, oh, they're going to come back in two years. And then in verse 5, the prophet Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and in the presence of all the people who stood in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, amen, the Lord do so. The Lord perform your words, which you have prophesied to bring back the vessels of the Lord's house and all who were carried away captive from Babylon to this place. He's being sarcastic, obviously. He's saying, amen, so be it, you know, may the Lord bring it all back. But then he gets back to being serious and bringing the truth of God's word in verse 7, that nevertheless hear now this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing all the people. The prophets who have been before me and before you of old prophesied against many countries and great kingdoms of war and disaster and pestilence. As for the prophet who prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophet comes to pass, the prophet will be known as one whom the Lord has truly sent. So again, this is, you know, just reiterating what it says in the book of Jeremiah, that in the book of Jeremiah, that the test of a prophet, Deuteronomy chapter 18, is that that word that he gives, it will truly come to pass that you know that the Lord has sent him. And then Hananiah, this, this prophet, uh, you know, false prophet, and uh, Hananiah and truth prophet Jeremiah uh, speaking there, uh, the prophet took the yoke off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and he broke it. So here it says, you've got to assume is a wooden yoke that he takes off of Jeremiah and he breaks it and then he continues speaking uh, as he spoke verse 11 in the presence of all the people saying thus says the Lord even so I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon from the neck of all nations within the space of two full years and the prophet Jeremiah went his way interesting 
Jeremiah moved on. Uh, Jeremiah, as the yoke is taken off him, nope, what's going to happen is everybody's going to come back in two years and Nebuchadnezzar's going down. And Jeremiah ended up moving on. He didn't fight. He didn't fuss. He's given the word, and then he moved on. You know, there are times where we give the truth of God's word, and we're going to move on. It's not endless debate, arguing, and all of this. And I'm sure as Jeremiah would move on and he went his way, he's going to come back and he's going to continue to give the message of the truth of God's word and the warning to Jerusalem. But I'm sure he's, he's weeping in his heart because the people are, are accepting what Hananiah had to say. And the same thing happens to us, doesn't it? But there's a time where we go our way and then we're going to come back and continue to minister as the Lord leads. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after Hananiah. Verse 12, the prophet had broken a yoke from the neck of the prophet Jeremiah saying, go and tell Hananiah saying, thus says the Lord, you have broken the yokes of wood, but you have made in their place yokes of iron. Keep that in mind. Verse 14, for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron on the neck of all these nations that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him. And I have given him the beasts of the field also. Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, hear now, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, but you make this people trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will cast you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die because you have taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died in the same year in the seventh month. So, you know, the, the true prophet Jeremiah uh, speaks the words of the Lord. Uh, you may break this yoke of wood, but listen, God's going to replace it with a yoke of iron. And Hananiah, as far as you are concerned, you're a dead man. And within seven months, because it was already the fifth month, uh, with your persuasive speech, you've had the people believe a lie, and he ended up dying in that time, just as Jeremiah said. But I want to end with something here tonight, and I think this is really important, that here Jeremiah, using this illustration of a yoke, and, and, and Hananiah takes it off and he breaks it, you know, like Jeremiah broke that vessel. And he breaks it and said, Nebuchadnezzar is going to be broken. And Jeremiah says, no, he's not. You're going to have a yoke of iron. That maybe should have rang a bell with the people, reminded them of, of something. And that is when God gave the blessings and the cursings in the book of, of Deuteronomy, if you follow after me, there will be blessing. If you don't, there will be these curses. And part of the curses, as you read there in the book of Deuteronomy, is that you will have this this from Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 48 for you note takers is that you're going to have this yoke of iron that's going to be put on you you're going to be held captive by your enemy it's going to be like a yoke of iron and that's exactly what happened you got a yoke of iron that's going to happen not of wood but of iron that's going to be around you and that should have reminded them of what the Lord had said to them hundreds of years before this time of Jeremiah, almost a 1,000 years before this time, 900 years, when Moses was there in the wilderness as they were getting ready to come to the promised land, you'll have a yoke of iron around you. You know, you remember that Jeremiah that he said, and speaking of yoke, that he said in chapter 6 and 
verse 16. Let me read it to you. Thus says the Lord, this is a message to the nation. Stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths, that is the truth, where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. We're not going to walk in truth. We're going to believe the lies of Hananiah. And you're going to end up being yoked with iron. You're not going to have rest. And it reminds me so much of the hope that you and I have because we have been yoked to Jesus and we find rest in him. And it would be about 600 years later that on a hillside there in Galilee that Jesus, as we read in Matthew chapter 11, many of you, you're familiar with the verse that he said, come to me all of you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I think about a yoke of iron, how heavy that is, and the burden of it. And Jesus looks out on the people, and we're going to see that before this, he looked at the multitudes with compassion, and he sees the people, and he says, come to me. So the question tonight as we end is this. Listen, don't pack it up if you're listening is what are you being yoked to? Are you yoking yourself to the world? It's going to be like a yoke of iron. It's going to be heavy and it's going to be burdensome and you will not find rest. And Jesus says, come to me and learn of me. Learn of me. And you will then find rest for your souls. And know that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We can yoke ourselves to so many things that is not of the Lord. Don't yoke yourself to it because it'll be heavy and burdensome like a yoke of iron. And the bonds, he had bonds on him. And you'll be in bondage to the world and to sin and carnality and that which is false. Yoke yourself to Jesus. Go to him. Are you tired? Is life burdensome and heavy? Come to him and call out to him. And Jesus says in that invitation, whoever, whoever you are, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. True rest comes by knowing him and yoking ourselves with him as we travel in life, and you'll find rest for your soul. He says, my yoke is easy. And he says, my burden is light, not the burden that we put on ourselves because we are not following after the Lord, and it's heavy. But he says, my burden is light. Are you tired tonight? Do you feel like a yoke of irons around your neck and the bonds, you're in bondage to sin, carnality, deception, whatever? Come to Jesus. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for these important lessons, and they're written for our admonition and so that we can learn. And I thank you that we can come tonight and, and see the, the words of Jeremiah. Your word is for us, and it's for us today. How dangerous deception is, and to, to follow after it, to yoke ourselves to it, to the dictates of our own hearts or that which is false, carnality and sin. And, Lord, I just want to pray, if there's anyone listening tonight, that you've never come to Christ and yoke yourself to him for salvation. He is the way of life. There's no other way. He went to a cross. 
He died on that cross for your sins. He was put into a grave, and he rose again, and he's alive. And if you never come in faith, recognizing your need to be forgiven because sin will wear you down and bring death to you. That's what the Bible says. The wages of sin is death. But he came to bring eternal life, a free gift of eternal life through faith in him. And recognizing your need to be forgiven and that you believe that Jesus died for your sins, he proved that he's the son of God by rising from the grave. He rose again. He's at the right hand of the Father. And he's saying, come to me. That invitation is still true today. Yoke yourself with me. Believe in me. Find rest for your soul. Find life, eternal life through him. Will you do that if you've never done that? You can pray right where you are. That Jesus, I come and I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on Calvary's cross for me. That you, that, that you rose again in your life. Forgive me. I ask you to sit upon the throne of my life and my heart as my personal Lord and Savior. I yoke myself with you now to learn of you, to know you, to walk with you all the days of my life. I thank you for this new beginning. And I thank you for your love for me in Jesus' name. And for you that perhaps you've been yoked to just everything else but Jesus, listen, it will be like a yoke of iron. The world will deceive you. The world's philosophy is live for yourself. Go after the latest fad. The big thing today is to identify and belong. Listen, all of that will leave you empty. God created you because you are valuable to him, and he loves you, and that's why Jesus came. Identify with Christ. And yoke yourself with him. Maybe you've been away. Come back. He says, come home. And you can pray, Jesus, I come. And I ask that I would just, Lord, just receive your invitation to be yoked to you once again. Because I've been having this yoke of iron all around me. And I haven't been heeding your word. I've been going my own way. And now I come back reaffirm my love and belief in you. I love you. And I thank you for your forgiveness and grace and mercy in my life. For all of us, that we would be established in truth. The pillars, Boaz, to be strengthened in you, Lord. And then Jacob, to be established in you in your truth and closeness and relationship with you in every way. Bless everyone here. We look forward to meeting on Sunday again. Lord, meet our needs. Keep us healthy. Lord, protect us. Lord, guide us and direct us in every way. You love us day by day, moment by moment, walking with you, hearing your voice, being established in your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, God bless you. Hope to see you all.